Hey everybody, welcome to Hey Sawbones, my story, my passion. I'm your host, Dr. Ryan Molly, orthopedic surgeon, cutter of bones, business owner, entrepreneur, but most importantly, loving husband and father of three young and very busy, active boys. And today, I don't know if I can say I've been this excited for one of my episodes yet. Obviously, I've had some great guests, some very personal friends, uh, very influential people, throughout my life. Um, but this one, th this one's very special because this is like a throwback. And, um, this, this gentleman, um, may not know this, but growing up, he was kind of a, a second father to me. And, um, his oldest, uh, child and I were inseparable kind of growing up, best friends, best buddies all through our very early childhood. Um, Northwest Pennsylvania, you guys definitely know who this guy is. One of the most winningest and uh, successful basketball coaches in Northwest Pennsylvania, um, Bill Hager. I, I almost feel like he doesn't even need the introduction, but Coach, thank you Ryan, for thank you, thank you for having me I'm for joining me. Looking forward to this. Thank this you. This is going to be much. fun. Yep, I'm looking forward to it. You know what I can't wait for is the people in Northwest Pennsylvania to watch this because even when you uh, so for all those out there, the kind of behind the scenes stuff that goes on, usually I text somebody and say, Hey, you want to be on my podcast? They ask me what it's about. Um, and I'll give them a quick little snippet. Um, well, coach Hager was the only one that actually reached out to me and said, I'd like to sit down with you beforehand. And we sat down and we had a really good hour, hour and a half conversation. Um, I mean, just some of the stories, like, uh, we should have been recording that. <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah. But, um, as we always start the, the podcast out, you know, people want to know, who's coach Bill Hager. So kind of, if you give us the 30,000 foot view of like who you are, where you grew up, kind of your family, um, your, your parents, siblings, and then we'll get into some more of the details. Uh, but if you can take us kind of from childhood through, um, I know that's quite a few things, but then we'll get into the details as we get into the questions. Okay. Okay. So who uh, are you? <laughs> I, uh, grew up in a little town called Imperial Went to West Allegheny High School, but uh, there was uh, my mom and dad, and uh, then there was my two brothers and myself, 
And we grew up, we'd leave in the morning, we'd head to the baseball field, and we would play baseball all day long over the basketball courts and just, it was uh, great back in the day, you know, with uh, no phones to distract you or anything. We just, that's what we did every day and uh, just had a blast. I, I want to talk about my mom and dad. My mom was a special person, lived to 101 wow. and uh, amazing lady and a good mother. And then my dad was a very special person. He introduced me to hunting and loved me playing all the sports and my brothers playing all the sports that we played. And uh, he was a special guy. And I'll, I'll tell you a little bit more about one of the elk hunts we were on. And uh, he was a World War II guy, Battle of the Bulge, 101st wow. Airborne. And uh, he was a pretty amazing man, a hard worker. And he instilled in us three boys nothing but hard work. That's what makes you successful. And uh, it was pretty neat. But uh, my older brother, Jake, uh, he was kind of guidance to his two younger brothers as we were growing up. And he was just a, a very upstanding young man. He end, ended up going out to University of Missouri, made their freshman baseball team. But then he got cut his sophomore year. And uh, I told him whatever he did, don't quit college because he's going to get drafted. He said, I'm not going to get drafted. I said, you're quitting college? He goes, yes. And uh he said, I'm not getting drafted, though. I said, what are you going to do? He said, I'm going to join the Marines. So he joined the Marines, and he was over in Vietnam and uh, did a uh, heck of a job there. And then he came back and coached at Maplewood, as you know, you know, wow. coached football. But he was, a, he was something else. He is still one of the most honest human beings I've ever met in my life. Great older brother. And then my young, younger brother, Gary, uh, I don't know if I told you this story or not, but in, when I was a high school senior and pretty good pitcher in baseball, I struck out 19 out of 21 batters in oh, a game. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> one guy flied out center fielder and one guy popped up the shortstop. And on a third strike, the catcher dropped it, threw it wide at first base. The guy was safe, but I picked him off first base. Otherwise, it would have been a perfect game. But the catcher just threw, you know, threw it wide at first base. You couldn't believe that. You know who that catcher was. I think I told you. <laughs> yeah. It was my baby brother, Gary. But uh, I always I'm tell sure, that story. I'm sure he hasn't lived, uh, he's lived that down, and you don't even talk about that anymore <laughs> around him. He laughs about it. I tell it whenever we get around somebody that, you know. Was it, like, I mean, at the end of the game, a drop it third was, strike? Uh, probably in the sixth inning and it was a curveball in the dirt that he was lucky just to block. Sure. And uh, I tell him, I thought a ball went to the backstop. He said, no, it bounced out in front of him. He grabbed it, had to throw in a hurry and he threw a little wide and the guy was safe. But I, I picked him off first. So I only faced 21 batters and wow. But, uh, but I, I think I told you about my baby brother. He went on and played football at Penn state. Yeah. And uh, he had the opportunity. He started nine games as a sophomore at linebacker. But they had a real weak backfield. Two guys you've never heard of. I know. Have you ever heard of Franco Harris and Lydell Mitchell? Um, vaguely. Vaguely. <laughs> but yeah. And uh, what was neat for me is uh, one game I was at Iowa finishing up getting my teaching degree, and uh, they Iowa came out and played or uh, Penn State came out and played Iowa. And my brother started the game, you know. And I went down the locker room afterwards and saw him, and it was really neat. And I walked with him out to get on the bus and. Joe Paterno was there. And uh, Gary said, I want you to meet Coach Paterno. So he introduced me to Coach Paterno. And Joe Paterno said to me, oh, is this a broken down baseball player from Iowa? Ooh. And uh, I said, yeah, you're right. He says, oh, he says, okay, nice to meet you. But what was funny, years later, I took Mark Richards over there. Yeah. He wanted to try out for Penn State. And this is like, you know, 10 years later or whatever. 
and in walks Joe Paterno. And I forget the coach's name that we were talking to, but he says, I want you to meet Joe. And Joe goes, this is Gary Hager's brother. He goes, oh, the broken down baseball player from Iowa. <laughs> That's what he said, which just blew me away. What a mind, that, you know, those guys. Did so, you remind Coach Paterno that your younger brother dropped a perfect, uh, dropped a third strike? He never heard that story. I didn't tell him that one, but... <laughs> But that was pretty good. But Gary went on. He played some baseball at Penn State and then played football. And wow. Got beat out so his two junior sport. year by Eddie O'Neill. Yeah, two-sport player. But wow. he, was, he was a great athlete. So, And, I mean, you've you've coached. And, again, we'll, we'll get into some of this stuff with your personal questions. But you have an amazing family. Um, I knew you from your Maplewood years. And, and you were – how many years did you coach at Maplewood? I uh, taught at Maplewood for 20 years and was a head basketball coach for 18 years. Okay. So when had a – had a great time there. I I, uh, I wanted to mention too that I, after baseball and at uh, West Allegheny and stuff, I went to Iowa and played baseball. Played baseball out there, lettered three years, and I had a great time. Great guys out there. It was really something special. But uh, then I got hired at Randolph East Mead, and uh, it was there. I believe their last year, and uh, or their second last year before Maplewood and, was formed. Then then they formed Maplewood. Maplewood East and West it was with the two schools. Okay. Then it became Maplewood. And then uh, I got to teach there. I was a head basketball coach for 18 years. And, were you uh, living right by the high school while they were building it? Or did you live somewhere um, else at that point? When they were building the high school, I actually lived in Meadville. Okay. And then uh, then we, when I got married, Marie and I bought the house out near Maplewood. Yeah. And lived there. Yeah. We, we loved it living there. It was nice. Awesome. But, well, Bill... I always ask my guests when they're coming on um, what you like to drink. And Coach Hager said, hey, I like uh, some rum and Coke. So that's that's what I got us here. We got. So can you reach that? I better be careful. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, there you go. Take a sip of that. Cheers, by the way. Mm, yes, thank you. Too strong or is that good? No, that tastes like Captain Morgan and Coke. That's delicious. Okay. All right. Drop it. So okay. yep. as we um, kind of talked about before we went on camera here, um, we do this in a question and answer format. So you'll ask me six questions, three business, three personal, then we'll spin the tables. I'm, I'm more excited to hear and learn more about you um, and so are my guests. But that being said, you do have the opportunity to veto one question. So if I ask you a question that you're not, but you would go down in history as the first person to ever do that. I probably so. won't veto any. <laughs> Can I start? Yeah, fire away. Okay, I uh, I wrote these up a little bit, but my first question is to you: uh, How many operations have you done? Have you have any idea how many? It's funny you mentioned this because I was actually just thinking about this today when I was operating. So I'm approaching ten thousand joint joint oh replacements. Wow! And that's like me on my own, not in training. So. Um, Probably springtime next year, I will have eclipsed the 10,000 mark. And in our industry, um, joint replacement surgery or just surgery in general, um, and maybe it crosses industries, th that's a big number. Like 10,000 is kind of when you are, I don't want to say considered a master, but like you've kind of mastered what you do. I'm a lifelong student, though. I'm constantly learning, constantly getting better. I'm a perfectionist. I'll never give myself a 10 out of 10, no matter if it's the last day I'm operating. Cause it's always just like, I could have done that every once in a while. I'm like, but that was, that was a really good knee or that was a really good hip. 
And I think they're all really good, but I'm splitting hairs type of stuff. But yeah, yeah. approaching 10,000. Uh, you know, as you know, uh, Dr. Frendek did mm-hmm. my knees. It's been, I think, 17 years ago this spring. And uh, I remember going in. Uh, they did the x-rays or MRIs or whatever they do. And uh, he came in and looked at me and he said, I thought I was going to see an 80-year-old man laying here. <laughs> he said, you're both knees. My knees were terrible. And I think it was from... Uh, playing basketball till I was 42, and I gave that up. And then the coaching, I think the stress of standing and coaching uh, just wore my knees out. Yeah. And uh, so he, <clears throat> you know, and I, every time I get an elk, if I get an elk or a deer, I usually send him a picture of it and thank him because uh, they lasted great for 16 years. And then he went back in and did the one, the right one over again. I think all the stress of me turning on the golf course, yeah. uh, the plastic wore out. He said the inserts were perfect, so he's redone that, and they're both phenomenal. You know, I just got done on an elk hunt in the Rocky Mountains. and He's an amazing okay. surgeon and human being. And yeah. by the way, after we met, I sent him a text literally right after that. and said, hey, Bill Hager said to say hello, and he's disappointed that he couldn't send you an elk uh, photo, and, and I told him the story. I'm not going to tell this camera here, but, yeah, that, that's but right. um, he goes, how do, you know, how do you know Bill? And I went through the whole thing. I was like, I've known Bill for literally 40 years of my life. Cause yeah. I mean, Nathan and I met in kindergarten Yeah, yeah. So with Mrs. Jones. Wow. She was our, our kindergarten teacher. Wow. So but that is something, you know, you realize how many people you've helped 10,000 people. That is just, that's amazing. You know, yeah, some of those are repeat customers, right? Yeah. So it's not, I, I would say probably maybe 60% are repeat customers like, like you. Yeah. So one, two, but that being said, yeah, it's still, um, I think it's very easy for us to focus on the the negative, and that's I'm not trying to be a pessimist when I say that, but um, I th- I can't remember if it was the last podcast. I think it was. It was John Melody's, and he, he was talking about. I remember the losses more than I remember the wins really? from mm-hmm. a coaching perspective. Yeah, I said I can empathize with you. I said, you know, if I do a hundred joint replacements and ninety nine of them go as they should, and they do right. really really well you almost take that for granted and and forget about those. It's that one that something just didn't go well and it it almost haunts you. And you're like scratching your head. How could I have done that? I'm sure you've had that too. Big games. Yeah. Oh, Um, and you're like, God, if I just would have done this or the losses stick with you. Yeah. But that makes you better. I've had some heartbreaking ones. Yes. Right. I mean, because if everything went perfect, like how are you going to learn? I know. Yeah. So that, that pain is necessary, unfortunately. Yeah, you learn more from your losses than your wins. You mm-hmm. do, but okay. Fire so, away, yeah. Okay, this, um, how'd you decide to get into this occupation? You know, I think about it, because uh, I remember, you know, you'd graduated from college, and uh, then I'm, I'm hearing, you know, what you're going to become. And I'm just wondering, what uh, turned you on to that? I was, yeah, so as a kid, I was always... Um, very curious. I was always very good with my hands. I was tearing stuff apart, um, you know, little radio remote control cars, and I was building stuff, tinkering, very just creative. And um, I remember Kristen and I were out in the woods, and we found this skeleton of this animal. To this day, we don't know what it was. Um, we we called it the, the red fox, but it, it wasn't actually a fox, but we kind of thought it was about the size of one. And we brought the bones back to the house 
and I put them back together almost as though you would see like a dinosaur exhibit. So I was always very fascinated with uh, the human body, the musculoskeletal system. Um, my mm-hmm. cousin, Jeff Leary, who was a chiropractor in Meadville, and he was an athletic trainer. Yeah. And I was always liked sports, played basketball, played volleyball all through high school and wanted to kind of stay close to sports and um, athletics. And again, loved the, the human body. I loved both the anatomy, but also like the kinesiology, the way that we move. Mm-hmm. So I went into athletic training in undergrad thinking kind of like my, my cousin, Jeff, and was actually planning to go to chiropractic school. And then, you know, you meet this person who, who happened to be Greg Coppola. He was, uh, I, I, I get, have given him so many shout outs on the podcast. He's going to be an upcoming guest, but, um, I was on my way to Chicago to chiropractic school interview and it was spring break. And one of my very good college friends and roommates, he played volleyball at Mercer's, Greg Beato. Um, he said, hey, do you mind if we stop in East Lansing on the way out to Chicago? I was like, we got a week, spring break. Like, no problem. It's a college town. We'll go out there. We'll, we'll, we'll have some fun. He was looking at their medical school, mm-hmm. which was an osteopathic medical school. And he said, there's this guy up there. His name's Greg Coppola. So we went up. We met Greg Coppola, who was a fellow up there at the time um, in their, their sports medicine. He was not a surgeon. Uh, primary care trained, um, grew up in the Pittsburgh area too. Mm. And um, he was doing a fellowship in, in non-operative sports medicine. So we stopped there and Greg, I remember we went out for a beer and Greg Coppola ended up talking to me a ton. He's like, why do you want to go to chiropractic school? And he kind of just kept saying, he's like, and I said, well, what, what do you think I should do? He's like, what, what about like an osteopathic physician? I was like, I don't even know what that is. He goes, well, that's what I am. That's what Greg's trying to become. And, and he started telling me about it. And I was like, that's exactly what I want to do. So at that point, like the light went on, I, I was already committed to go to chiropractic school. It was like my orientation. So we went out there, did the whole thing. But I, at that moment I knew this is what I wanted to do. So I changed gears. I had to come back. I had to like really crash to take the, the MCAT, which is the admission test to get into medical school. Um, you know, got into medical school and then the second light bulb went off when I was like, Hey, what do I want to do? Uh, and I was thinking primary care sports med like Dr. Coppola. And then I got into an orthopedic operating room and I was like, wow, this is possible. You can use power tools and wow. woodworking. And, you know, my father was big into woodworking. My grandfather's both were carpenters, was always building and tinkering. So it just seemed like, and, and I was dealing with the musculoskeletal system. I was just like the second light bulb in my life went off. And, and from that day forward, that's never turned back. Wow. So then he came and moved to Erie, Pennsylvania the next year really? and became the team physician at Mercer's College, really? which is where I was. And he, wow. so I was, he was there as the head team physician my senior year. We became very close. I actually became, uh, he, him and his wife, Michelle, are the godparents of Luca, our youngest, who you met earlier. Yeah. And um, I actually ended up finishing his basement with my brother-in-law, Chris Plosky. They, they, they wanted to get a finished basement, so we did that. Gosh, 20-some years ago. That's amazing. How many years have you lived here now? So, well, you know, I, I, I've i lived in Erie two different times. So um, I did my undergrad at, at Mercer's. Then I went to Lake Erie College of Osteopathic Medicine. So eight years there. Moved to Detroit in 2005. And I was there from 2005 to 2015. All but one year. And um, we lived in Columbus where I did my fellowship, which is exactly where Dr. Fendak did his fellowship. So really? same, wow. same mentors. And then moved back to Michigan, and I was in practice there until 2015 when I came here to kind of replace Dr. Frenick because he was retiring at the time. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Okay. 
I got one more question. Yeah, yeah. one more business. Yeah, one more business. Um, if if you wouldn't have gotten into this occupation, what do you think you'd have done? Um, I would have definitely done something, probably engineering wise or architectural wise. I love building things. I love okay. creating things. Uh, my office in Meadville, which you've been in, is 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 really my my brain. It was. My baby, I, I kind of drew everything out. I didn't draw the structural engineering blueprints, but the layout and everything yeah. and all the elements that you see there, whether it's the stone, the wood, the this, the that. Um, same thing here. I, I did all this. Um, so I, I really like creating things. Um, it's it's that artistic side of my brain. that. So I remember my high school guidance counselor told me, I Mr. Sobolski, no yeah. offense, Mr. Sobolski, but um, he, he was like, you Nah, don't go into don't don't go into medicine at all. He's like, you should go into you should go to art school. Really? Remember <laughs> Mr. Geiger? Oh yeah. And he was also pushing me to go to art school because really? I was always yeah. very artistic and good painting and, and yeah. things like that. So yeah. wow. But but, uh, but honestly, my day job is is a lot of that, right? It's very artistic. It's very creative, yeah. um, uh, and it allows me to kind of like use that side of my brain, which I really really enjoy. Yeah. I. Uh, um, well, your place is beautiful. Oh, well, thank you. Been there, yes. And I love the dedication to your parents outside. I think that is so neat. Thank you. And, uh, but that's, you know, work related. That, that is amazing that you've done that. And, and yeah. That. I think and, and, just, and again, I mean, awesome. that's there as a, re, uh, a reminder to, to me when I walk in there, but to let everybody else know that I, I, I wouldn't be here doing what I'm doing if it wasn't for my mom and my dad. Yeah. Like, I mean, they have put so much time into all of us four yeah. kids. Yeah. And um, the same thing as what your parents taught you was exactly what my parents and grandparents taught me was hard work, determination, grit, perseverance, never say never, never, never give up and just keep going and yeah. success will occur. Yep. Okay. Um, this is the tough question. Work related. Have you ever forgiven me for moving to Franklin and taking oh, Nathan away from you, you? You actually took one of my questions. That would <laughs> it was be, more of a statement. Yeah. So yeah, that was tough. I'll tell you because um, it it was. Did he moved down there freshman year? Right. I got the job his freshman year. Okay. After uh, getting out of Jamestown, and uh, so we rode down together every day. Yeah. But we still lived up there, but I thought it would be good for him to get in the basketball and stuff. So he played on the JV so, team. So to so. answer at the time, no, it was hard. <laughs> but today, you know, it, it, I mean, I don't want to say it's trivial now, but because um, those are influential years. And it was just, it was painful at that mm-hmm. time. Because, I, I mean, we, we were very, very close. And I kind of envisioned, I, re, I remember making like, Maplewood Tigers basketball cards. I think they're somewhere over in the basement over here. I, I saved yeah. all that stuff. Yeah. Um, one was me. One was him. I think I had Mike Young on there. Jeff Schmidt had one. And and I just envisioned, uh, I, I'd written little short stories about us going to Hershey and, and, and winning, you know, a state championship and things like that. But, I mean, it, it is what it is, and it wasn't meant to be. Yeah. Um, I, I don't I don't have any ill will now. So you're safe. Okay. I actually spiked your drink, but <laughs> some truth serum is what I put in there. But uh, I often wonder, you know, if I would have stayed and uh, how good you guys could have been your senior year. You know, I, 
I think Nathan Smith would have stayed at Maplewood. Yeah. You and Nathan, and there's been that, that would have been good, a solid team. That would have been a good team. Yeah. 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 I think we'd have won a league championship. Easily. Oh, easily. Yeah. Maybe, right. Maybe even a district title. And who knows? That would have been would nice. Have been something. But, but, uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, I know you hunt. Yeah. And uh, I think you've moose hunted. Yeah. Uh, no, that's on my bucket list. Yeah. And you got to get out and elk hunt. Absolutely. Yeah. I, uh, and it, can I show the picture of... Uh, oh, yeah. What what we're going to do is I'm actually going to have Jay... Um, take a picture? We're going to take a photo of that, and then he's going to actually put it into the podcast. Oh, okay. So it'll be really super good quality. Yeah. Okay, that. good. So yeah, before that, you leave, that, we'll get some photos of that. And then Maureen, I talked to her earlier. She's going to help me okay. get all the photos that we're going to talk about tonight. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I hope, you, I hope you can get out in elk hunt. It's been my passion for... Probably been on fifteen elk hunts, uh, harvested five bulls and a cow, and uh, I should have had more. I had chances that I all with a bow. No, one harvest one with a bow. Okay, and uh, the other four, uh, the four bulls and a cow was with a rifle. Okay, and but archery hunting is really special. It is something the the weather and to hear those bulls bugle and but uh, so I. I hope you can do that. Hope How you can get out there? Yeah, it's on my bucket list, and yeah, when I put something on my bucket list, I make it happen. Yeah, so it, we'll it'll happen. It. I just got to get drawn, though, right? Which is kind of half uh, the battle. Or you want to, you can get drawn every year in certain places in Colorado. Okay. Uh, you might want to get preference points for Wyoming, and if you want to archery hunt in uh, Colorado, you have to get. And but we bought. We were out there this past year and bought over the counter. Tags. Oh really? Yeah, over the counter tags. Could you get a bull, a bull that or way? A cow? I could shoot a bull or really? a cow. Yeah. So I had the cow come in 15 yards away, and I wasn't ready. Had my bow sitting down. Wow. I, I could have. Oh, it had been a neat, pretty easy shot, but. And one of the bull you got was with a bow. One of the bulls I got. The last one I got was with a crossbow. Wow. And that was in Wyoming, and you talk about exciting. It is just. How uh, far was it out? Uh, <clears throat> I had seen two bigger bulls, and uh, heard him bugle. So I got set up thinking they were going to come in to right in front of me. So I saw a lefty. I'm set up that way. And I so I cow called thinking they're going to come in. And all of a sudden, this one came this way. I had to actually shoot with my right hand. Oh, wow. I'd never shot the bow right handed, but it was 20 yards away from me. So I just put the scope, put it right behind. Do you have a shooting stick that you were off of? Yeah, a shooting stick. And put it right behind its shoulder and pulled the trigger. Wow. So... It just, you talk about a throw. That'll that'll be that'll happen. Yeah, and I would yeah, like I to maybe that. even bring my boys, at least at least yeah. my youngest, Lucas, who's super yeah. into hunting. Yeah, I told you about the elk hunt with my dad. What a oh yeah, what a what a great hunt that was. Yeah. So happy for him. I, I'll be able to take a picture of that that bull that he got and, for sure. But, I had uh, the opportunity of meeting your dad way way back. You, in the, yeah, back a couple times. Ditch, I remember yeah. him coming up to the yeah your your house there and in, in um, right by Maplewood and. Yep. Were you guys at Guys Mills address there? Yeah, I've been Guys Mills address. Okay. Yeah, I'm over there. But, uh, okay, let's see. Uh, okay, I have this question. It's kind of a personal question. Is it true that you make your kids do a basketball workout before you'll feed them at night? <laughs> I'm just kidding. That was the rumor about the Hager family down in Franklin. You know, so that that was true about the Molly family, but my dad. <laughs> but it was in the morning. It, we had to get up in the summer. We were up latest six a.m. out on the court doing drills, and before we would do work, 
around the farm. Yeah. I, Hillary was amazing how hard she worked, you know, what, what she did. She would get up at six every morning when the Y opened, she'd be over there an hour workout, you know, whatever, before she'd go to school. She oh. was, she was, uh, that's how Kristen was too. Yeah, she, a little she, more committed than, yeah, but something. Mm-hmm. So, but, uh, I was going to tell you, you know, what amazes me, you know, I look back on it is, uh, all four of the kids played four years of college basketball. Uh, all of them played, you know, high school. I got to coach three out of the four. I didn't get to coach Hillary. But uh, I think combined they scored a little bit over 8,000 points, college and yeah. high school. That's that's amazing. That's remarkable. Yeah, it is something. There's, there's you got to get those stats, stat books if you don't already have them. You probably already have the ones from high I school, right? I got all statted out, yeah. But, uh, well, Hillary scored 2,301 points in high school, and then she almost scored 1,000. At Vanderbilt? At Vanderbilt. Her sophomore year, she didn't get to play much. They called it the sophomore blues for the coach that they had there. Oh, really? And then he, he would, she started as a freshman, but didn't start as a sophomore. And she didn't get to play much. And uh, then her junior year, Melanie Balcom came in, and she was so positive with Hillary. Just And she, Hillary had two great years. She's co MVP of her team her senior year. And, wow. Uh, they won the SEC championship. Which was amazing, yeah. And uh, yeah, she had a, she had a great senior year. She's she's really good, but it was fun. Yeah, yeah. fun following them, fun watching them. Awesome stuff. Yep. So, um, do you have any more personal questions for me, or do you want to turn the tables? I think, I think that's it. Yep. Nope. That's good. Okay. Yep. So, um, professional questions. I mean, some of yours are going to be kind of blended, um, and, but yeah, I mean, you. I want to hear more about some of the stuff that you told me. Uh, I think it was last week, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah last when we last met. Tuesday yep. or Wednesday when we got to sit down, uh, sit down like you were, I mean, a heck of an athlete growing up, a uh, three sport athlete. Right. And, uh, but baseball was kind of your, your main bag. And yeah. like you said, you played at Iowa yeah. and you were being scouted by, by the by pirates. Right. I uh, got I, I played for the Little Pirates, and uh, actually three, this is high school, three right? summers. This was yeah. uh, bef- after my junior year in high school, before my senior year. Then after my senior year and after my freshman year in college, I played for the Little Pirates. And uh, <clears throat> that first summer I played for them, I went sixteen and one, lost one game, won nothing. And I remember talking to the Pirates scouts, and they said, "You're going to be drafted. You're going to be drafted pretty high." And I said, "I have one question for you." should I uh, play football? They said, yeah, go ahead and play. Just don't get hurt. Well, I was a quarterback, and I think we were playing West Midland South. I was making a pass, and I, I took a helmet right on my elbow, and it cracked cracked my elbow. Uh, on, your, on your throwing arm? On my throwing arm, yeah, yeah. on my left arm. And there uh, mm-hmm. there went the good fastball. and uh, But I still you know, pitched pretty well and had a pretty good spring. They drafted me, but not as high as I – I was, I think, the 41st round, but the Pirates still drafted me that spring. But I went in and uh, had a tryout with them, and uh, Hal Smith caught me, who hit the big home run in the 1960 World Series uh, that tied the game, I believe. Then Mazeroski hit the winner in the bottom. But, uh, uh, oh, um, Merle Hess was in there. He was assistant director of scouting. Clyde King was there. He was a director of scouting. And then uh, 
Danny Murtaugh was there, the Pirates manager. And uh, so I went and had a tryout. And I remember Danny Murtaugh come up, put his arm around me, said, son, you're going to be in the big league someday. And I'm thinking, uh, I don't know if he knows what he's talking about. But uh, he, he said, what I want you to do is go to the University of Iowa. you got a full ride. And if you get your fastball back, we'll, we'll draft you again. You know, I said, it's, so I said, okay, you know, they, they didn't, which thank goodness they didn't. If I'd have signed, I'd have lost my scholarship. Yeah. And if I wouldn't have made it then, but, uh, but I had a crack in my elbow that, uh, healed a little bit, but never got, you know, I never had the good fastball again, but I had pretty, pretty decent fastball, great curveball, And, uh, lettered three years at Iowa and it was just a, it was a great experience out there. Do, do you mind telling the the story you told Santino upstairs? This is About, a pretty uh, cool Roberto. Yeah. yeah, this is uh, beef after that, after I went 16 and one that year, you know, one of the pirate scouts called me up and said, would you come in and pitch batting practice to the pirates? I said, absolutely. I'd love to. So my dad took me in, they dressed me in a pirate uniform. And uh, so I pitched to uh, Maddie Alou and Philippe Alou and Jose Pagan. Those three guys are the only guys would get in there against me, I guess. And they dressed me in a pirate uniform, so I went in and I took a shower in the pirate locker room afterwards. And there's a guy in a whirlpool in there, and he's, I hear him talking to this guy, and he's there. Me no feel good today. My legs sore, my back sore. Me no play today. Me no play. And I go, is that Roberto? He goes, yeah, that's the one <laughs> pirate scout said, that's Roberto. I said, oh, I... <laughs> But uh, he, he wasn't going to play today, so yeah. he did. But, but we watched Roberto play, you know. When we played for the Little Pirates, at night we could stop in at Forbes Field. We played out Leech Farm Veteran Hospital a few miles from Forbes Field. And we would, could walk in the main entrance and through the office. They all knew us because we were Little Pirate players. And uh, we'd walk in and watch him play. And so wow. saw Roberto play a lot. His arm was unbelievable. I still can't believe how he'd throw from right field to third base to strike and what a great hitter he was and those guys were good back and as was in the 60s that was fun wow so all right you go from um iowa successful collegiate baseball career uh you were majoring in in education i had to go back a fifth year to get my teaching certificate because i was going to graduate with a ba in sociology and i said what can i do with that to one of the advisors as well we can probably get you a job in a jail somewhere, you know, advising people. I go, no, I want to coach. They said, he said, go back and get your teaching. So, so that was, that was going to be my question is the coaching piece. Like, did you always know you wanted to be a coach or uh, was it, I mean, the baseball thing with the pirates, obviously because your arm wasn't going to work out. So did you have like a backup plan? I wanted to coach. Yeah. And I love basketball. Back when I was at Iowa that they had, um, Ralph Miller was a head coach. And Dick Schultz, who was our baseball coach, was the assistant basketball coach. And uh, so I would go to we, – well, we practice in the Iowa Fieldhouse for baseball, and it's where Iowa practiced basketball. They had their court surrounded with big tarps or whatever, but we could go up above and watch, you know, Ralph Miller. He was one of the hardest-nosed, toughest guys I've ever seen. In fact, I think he chain-smoked when he was practicing sometimes. <laughs> he was a tough guy. And uh, – so I loved watching the basketball. They had a guy by the name of Chad Calabria, who was Dante Calabria's father, played at uh, Blackhawk. Uh, they had downtown Freddie Brown, who played in the NBA. They had John Johnson, who played in the NBA. They had Glenn Vidnovic, who was uh, from McKeesport, big six eight skinny guy. They called him uh, Stick. He was so skinny, but he could play. And uh, Dick Jensen was their center. And uh, those guys, they went undefeated in the Big Ten. 
I saw Rick Mount score 63 points in the Iowa Fieldhouse and get beat by Iowa that year. Who's Rick Mount? Rick Mount was an unbelievable player at Purdue. Okay. He scored 63 points at the Iowa Fieldhouse. Wow. I remember. And they lost. And they lost. Dick Schultz said, Rick Mount come in there and goes, one of the buckets are off. It's like an, half an inch too low. And they go, yeah, right. They measured it was a half an inch too low. That was wow. Rick Mount. He was he was a phenomenal basketball shooter. He could shoot the lights out. But, um, yeah, that was uh, – I got turned on to the game of basketball then. I'd go to the library, you know, to study, and I'd usually grab a basketball book, somebody's book, and read it. And uh, I knew someday I was going to coach basketball. But I was – at Maplewood, I was coaching ba- head basketball coach and head baseball coach, and I remember being outside coaching baseball, and it started snowing. I looked in the gym. I said, it's a lot warmer in there. So, <laughs> so I, got out of, I got out of baseball. I didn't realize that. How long did you coach baseball there? Just a couple years. Tom Arrigan had gotten out, and I oh, yeah. took the job. Yeah, Mr. Arrigan, he's Mr. my Arrigan. gym teacher. Yeah. So, you know, you come from Iowa. What, what drew you back to Guys Mills, Pennsylvania? Well, Was it your first yeah, teaching position? Yeah, I uh, you know, grew up outside of Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. and I wanted to get back to Pennsylvania. And another thing is I, uh, my dad started taking us hunting when we were 12 years old. So I knew up in northwestern Pennsylvania, you know, there's some, we'd, we'd go up to Ridgeway and hunt and that, and mm-hmm. I, I thought that was a good move. And uh, there was a, one of the pirate scouts became principal up there. George Schmidt was his name. And he called me up and said, I got a teaching job for you if you're interested. I said, yeah, I want to get back to Pennsylvania. So that's how I got back there. Was it Maplewood? Or, it was Randolph East Mead. Randolph, yep. yeah. And then it became Maplewood East and West, and then they finally built the school. And Yeah. Yeah. Pretty neat. Wow. So um, I feel like a lot of these are, I mean, I'm going to throw the three and three out the window. I've just got yeah, so many good it. ones. Yeah. So 18 years at Maplewood, right? Yep. Um, I mean, I'm jumping ahead. You've been inducted into three Hall of Fames. Is that correct? Uh, yes. Um, but do you do you remember your your Maplewood record? Um, uh, Two hundred and ninety seven wins, and uh, I'm not sure how many losses. I forget the losses, but so I went temporarily insane and took the job in Jamestown, yeah, New York. But am I correct? I remember this. I think it was your two hundredth win. There was a ceremony in the auditorium, which was the cafeteria, yeah, and they gifted you with a huge television but back in the day it was like the ones with the wood and the speakers built in yeah it was that for 200 wins yeah i think, I, I think so yeah i think it was 200 wins yeah it was nice of them to do that yeah. yeah but um you had some great great teams back in the day um i i mean those high school games were so exciting i remember you know we used to have the pep band they would be filled to capacity like standing room only yeah. I remember going and cutting confetti and we'd throw, throw that up. And I'm just thinking like Donnie Plyler and, you know, um, Steve Kerberger, Steve, Stevie Kerberger. Jeff Wentworth and the, yeah. Who, Jeff, yeah. who was a heck of a volleyball player as well. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think he played collegiately. Volleyball. <clears throat> yes, he did. Yep. Um, I'm trying to think who else. I mean, you, you had Greg somebody, Howell. you had the Kurt, Greg Howe, Jimmy Kurt, Kevin Kurt. Those guys were good. Yeah. And, um, uh, I the Hollabaugh's, you had Sean yeah, Hollabaugh. Sean Hollabaugh and, um, gosh, yeah. I mean, yeah. you had some. some and the early, you know, when you were real young, we had uh, the year with Mark Richards and Dave Wetzel and Danny, uh, Donnie Plyler's older brother, Danny Plyler. Okay, was he Those a point guard were, too? That was or? our first league championship. Danny was Plyler really? was a point guard, yep. 
And uh, that was our first conference championship we won. Was Gary Groshner? And Gary Groshner was on that team, yes. Gary yeah. was a great player, scored 1,600 points in his career. Yeah, I think he may still be like the all-time men's. He might be, yeah. Uh, scoring leader at Maplewood. Yeah, yeah he was, Gary was very good. He mm-hmm. could play. And uh, What was your favorite team from, from the Maplewood? I mean, uh, I don't want to say favorite, but most yeah. memorable maybe. I, I, you know what, my first championship with Mark and those guys – the second championship was it was back to back was uh, Gary Groshner senior year. I remember those guys, Danny Boyd and that crew, Oral Willie. Those guys were fun to fun to coach. Um, the Locke brothers were good and uh, Plylers and they and uh, then and then we had a stretch where we won six straight conference championships and uh, the Halk brothers, Greg and Tim. Damn. Greg was a great. Point guard, Donnie Plyler, Steve Kerrberger, Jimmy, the Kurt brothers, Jimmy and Kevin Kurt. So Todd Ferrari was on the team. He oh, was yeah. a great player. Uh, Johnny Burchard. John, where, where, John, was well, he a little Johnny, older? Johnny, Jeff Moyer, Tom Herring, those oh, guys. Yeah. We won back-to-back league championships with those guys, and they were all those kids were just great. Yeah. So you know who I just saw um, this summer was Dan Herring. He, up until yep. just this year, he was the men's volleyball coach at McDowell. Really? And uh, my middle son was at the McDowell basketball camp this summer. Yeah. And when it concluded on Friday, um, Dan came out. and was like, hey, for any of you that want to do volleyball, he's like, I'm running a volleyball camp in mid-July. And I went up to him afterwards. I was like, hey, Dan, Ryan Molly. And yeah. wow. I think he was maybe Allison's age or right around there, late, late 80s. Yeah. And um, then Dan I've seen Herring, him a couple Doug, times Doug since Herring then. Doug was a great player. Mm-hmm. Matt Jones. Matt Jones. Yeah. I remember this photo that Mr. Jones had in his third grade classroom where Matt was dunk. dunking it. It was against Sagertown in the playoff game. And, and it was black and white. but And it wasn't like he was barely getting it. He was, mm. His arm was a little horizontal. Like yeah. He must have been able to get up. Yeah, he could jump out of the gym. And did you get to coach his, his boys? Or were they after uh, you? They... I had gotten out of coaching. Okay. I had gotten out of coaching. And, uh, but his uh, son. Noah? Noah, yeah. I didn't get to coach those guys. But uh, the one son was going to be a sophomore. And I got out of the, well, I coached for 10 years and I got out because I wanted to see Hillary play. Yeah. And uh, so I was out for three years and then took the job back and coached it for four years. And then, uh, uh, Noah was coming up the next year, and we had a good team coming back. And I got out, and I took the girls, and the boys won the district. They oh. beat General McLean at Edinburgh University, which is hard to do. Yeah, and because uh, that's like their home gym, essentially. Yeah, yeah, and I was coaching the girls, and we were District Ten runner-ups that year. But then the next year, we won two two districts in a row. They were fun. I had a great time coaching my daughter and some of those other girls. They were boy, were they committed? Yeah, yeah, they're. Coach, no screwing around, Coach. We're getting serious. You know, they were, they get after it. Oh man, they'd work hard. So you and I got a chance to talk about this a little bit last week, but um, you want to say championship? Yes. I mean, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but that has to be like, if not top five, if not your top one in the top five. But yeah. is that is that your ultimate highlight of your uh, coaching career? Would you as, say it's as good as any of them are? It's as yeah. good as it gets. Um, that bunch of kids were amazing. And, uh, you know, they weren't that big. What year they was weren't. this? This so, was 2001. Okay. So this was Nick. 
Nick was a sophomore. Okay. And uh, we had some great wins in there. But uh, what was funny uh, is during that, going into that year, if I was fortunate enough to win 30 games, I'd have 500, it'd be 500 victories. So we lose two games uh, in December, one to McDowell, lost a, we had a three-pointer to tie it. We missed it. Was, was Pete coaching Pete there Glenn then? Pete was okay. coaching, yeah. They beat us by three. And then uh, we lost to Erie. It was back then, it was Erie Central. We lost it. Thank you. Well, yeah. Another sip of that. The fact that you remember the details of these games yeah. just blows my mind. <laughs> we lost Erie Central by one point. Oh, wow. And uh, that was our two losses. So now I remember riding, I'm driving Nick and Sean Grill down to the, because the girls live next door to us. So I'm driving uh, Sean and Nick down, and Sean goes, Coach, what do we need? So what do we need for what? It's just for you to get 500 wins. I said, uh, well, Sean, we got to run the table. We got to win every one of our last regular season games, and we got to win eight playoff games. I still remember Sean Grill saying, "No problem, Coach. We can do that." So we we won out, you know, and then we started the playoffs and uh, <clears throat> won the district, beat General McLean for the second time that year, and then uh, we won some great playoff games. We finally beat. Uh, the legendary coach John Miller in Blackhawk. Who who was that? Foster that Chief. hurdle, right? Foster, that, yeah. That, that, I mean, some of your other really we, good Franklin teams. Yeah, we had played them uh, four times in the previous six years in the playoffs. And heartbreaking games. I mean. I've been, I went to a couple of those. Yeah, the one, the one was 69, 68. Uh, put a. Archie on the line with a few seconds left, a little touch foul. I'm still not sure where that came <laughs> from. But they, let's uh, get the footage up for that, uh, Jay. Let's let's have the the our subscribers and yeah. our, our viewers but, determine. Uh, then Archie hit the foul shot to put him up one, and we missed a shot at the buzzer to win it. <sighs> and we had a bad turnover early that would have won the game for us. But uh, but you know those things happen. <laughs> and then the next year. We lose to Blackhawk in double overtime, Western Finals. They they won state championships back to back years, and the one was was sad was uh, Ryan Anderton took a shot at the end of regulation. Nate Keith is going to lay it up in. This kid from Blackhawk just rails him. No call, Boom. no call. The year before, the official comes over. I said, "Where's the foul?" Because you think I'm calling a foul at the end of this game, you're crazy. I said, you did last year when you put Archie on the line. He just turned around and walked away from me. But uh, <clears throat> so anyway, we... Uh, it was the same official? I think it was. Yeah. Because like four years in a row, we had these guys from the Whippeal. Wow. And so now we're playing them that year. We win it. And uh, I can still yeah. see... Oh, oh, you were playing Blackhawk? We're playing Blackhawk. Was it the uh, Western? Semi, Western Semis. Okay. And uh, we're playing Blackhawk, and uh, in walks three officials, and John Miller's going like, who are these guys, you know? And uh, here I found out later they were District 9 officials. They were neutral officials. Fair. So I thought they <laughs> called a fair game, and we won. But this is funny. There's a book out now called Miller Time, John Miller's book called Miller Time. It is a great book. 
I read the doggone thing. I said, this is good. So I called John up and because uh, I'd known him. Natalie played AAU ball for him one summer. Yeah. And I've known him, you know, played against him and stuff. So I called John up and I said, John, I just, I said, is this a legendary John Miller? I said, I just got your book called Miller Time. He goes, yeah. I said, I just wanted to tell you what a great book it is. He goes, who is this? I said, it's Bill Hager. He goes, oh, Bill, how you doing? <laughs> I said, good. And then he goes, do you remember that last game when you beat us? I said, yeah, vaguely, I remember. <laughs> he said, do you know how bad those officials were? <laughs> Did you bring it up, the other stuff? No, no, I didn't. Yeah. I said, oh, I don't, John, I forgot it so long ago. I forgot <laughs> it was 20-some years ago, which I haven't forgotten at all, but... Uh, he says, they called a bad technical on us. They should have never called. I said, hey, what are you going to do? He said, you were better than us. You'd have probably beat us. But, you know, so I just laughed. But Hillary played Blackhawk three years in a row, her sophomore, junior, senior year, their senior year in the Western Finals, and District 7 officials on every game. Oh. They lost, and oh, Hillary made a drop-step power move. I thought they were going to call a foul on Blackhawk. They called an offensive charge on her, took the bucket away, would have put – would have put Franklin up by one late in the game. And, wow. uh, but what cracked me up is they were the Blackhawk team was going to the state championship, and one of the officials jumped in and took a picture with him. I said, you got to be kidding me. Yeah. As he was but, getting the payment and the envelope. Yeah, and I don't know. But, but anyway. But did you get your 500th win with the state championship? Yeah, when we won that game, which we never talked about. I didn't bring it up to the kids at all. You know, I didn't want them the to. The state that, championship right. game was your 500th victory? 500th victory, yeah. How sweet is that? Yeah. And what was in the neatest thing about it was my dad was in the stands with some high school buddies of mine, uh -huh. my, and Nathan was in the stands, and Nick was on the team. And uh, so we they give out the medals, and somebody told the announcer that it was my 500th victory. So the announcer goes, how sweet it is in Hershey, Pennsylvania. <laughs> this is Coach Bill Hager's 500th victory. So that wow. was... Wow, that sends chills down my yeah, spine because, something. Yeah, you know, some of my best memories growing up were our family vacations. We didn't do anything elaborate, um, but we would go to Hershey every year. And our, our group that we would go with, this is, you know, as a kid, I'm probably eight through... 14 something like that yeah. and we would go to hershey with the hagers yeah. we'd go to hershey with the johnsons and yeah. we would go to hershey with the richards family yeah. Yeah. and man it was fun we would well justin i don't know if you watched that episode but that was a fun one we would um you know reminisce just about um just, just the the great times that we had you know we pay for tickets to go in but we pay for the cheap seats way up top maybe like six eight bucks yeah and then we'd find our way sneaking under rails and going through bathrooms and put changing stuff so if they could see us they wouldn't recognize us <laughs> i felt like a mini dan richard back in the yeah, day <laughs> that's dan richards yeah that's danny so uh some personal stuff okay so um you have an amazing family uh maureen's upstairs right now with my parents and my wife and um four awesome kids nathan natalie or nathan hillary nick and natalie um can you just give us a little update as to who where they are right now in their lives okay nathan has been the uh all-time winningest and losingest coach at regis college <laughs> you gotta put the losing well he's, is he, he's the only coach that, they've ever had he's the but, only men's coach ever okay at regis <laughs> he's been there like this is his 17th year i think whoa i know it's crazy Wow. But he loves coaching and does a great job. 
and his kids love him. Players, you know, they're just. So where do you get the coaching thing from? I don't know. I have no <laughs> idea why you're coaching basketball, but uh, he's he's done a great job there. And uh, <clears throat> married, great lady, Aaron, and um, they have three beautiful daughters, and he has a stepdaughter, Emma, that is just beautiful and just they won the state championship in lacrosse this year. She's a starter. Wow. They're right now, tonight, they're playing in the semifinals of the state in lacrosse. So this again. could be back-to-back? Could be back-to-back. Wow. But uh, And then uh, Emma, and she's just a doll. And then uh, Frances, and uh, she is just the cutest little thing. And Gracie and uh, Cookie. Brooklyn, they call her, but they call her Cookie, and their three little girls are just beautiful. So, what? So, is does she like cookies, or what was? I the... don't know why they call her Cookie, but she, I think she likes cookies too. But okay, yeah. I was gonna say, you know, where I think of when I think of Cookie, and it reminds me, of Nathan was Magic Johnson's wife. Her name's Cookie. Cookie, really? And growing up, Nathan <laughs> was the Magic guy. Uh, Justin Johnson was the Larry Bird guy, and I was the the Jordan fan. <laughs> so we had some fierce. Yeah. Um, competitions out on your court, the Molly Pavilion, and at the the Johnson household, and at the Nerf hoops, and it was always fun getting the adjustable rims and yeah. and and things like that. So, what about Hillary? Hillary, she works in now. She's in the State Department, bioterrorism. She's got her PhD in cellular biology, and uh, she's been working for the government for years. But uh, married to a great guy, Matt. I often tell her how lucky she is to be married to him and she says dad he's pretty lucky too you know <laughs> and uh i said i know but uh he's a great guy and they have three beautiful kids victoria uh eleanor and then james and uh, i think i told you when a few hours after france was born I had my first hole-in-one yeah tell that story right few, now and then we'll, we'll catch up with nick yeah, in a second yeah, this is crazy few, few hours after francis <laughs> write this down guest because <laughs> you gotta hear this a few hours after francis was born i had my first hole-in-one and you'd like played 12 golf. 12 hours later. And I played so much golf, you know, my whole 50 life. 50 years or so? Yeah. yeah. And uh, so I had my first hole in one. Four weeks later, I'm in North Carolina at my buddy's house, Larkin Golf Course in Statesville. I have my second hole in one. So I'm there. Darn, this, you know, grandkids being born is pretty good. So along comes James, you know, and this was just probably three, four years ago. And the day that he is born, She's in labor, and I know he's going to be born that day. I have. You're like, I got to get to the golf course. I did. I played <laughs> with my buddies, and I had my third hole in one. And then, um, so at Nathan's uh, wedding rehearsal dinner, Nick, though, right? Or Nick's. I'm sorry, yeah. Nick's Nathan or Nick's uh, rehearsal dinner. Uh, he's getting married, and I said, "Hey, Tori and Nick, I want more hole in ones." So. Let's get busy. I want uh, <laughs> I want another grandchild, and so uh, last August he was born. Liam was born, and uh, I bet three times, you know, playing last fall, I bet I came so close to having a hole in one. I said, "Yeah, maybe it's not going to happen." But in Myrtle Beach, there's a group of sixteen guys goes go to Myrtle Beach, and uh, so I had my fourth hole in one. So, and then remarkably. Like five weeks later, I have another hole in one, so I'm there. They they keep having grandkids. I can yeah have more hole in ones. That's crazy though. I mean, I, I'm not ready for grandkids yet, but if that's what what's going to come <laughs> from, that, I'm ready. Yeah, <laughs> All right, so Nick, he's at Juniata, correct? Yeah, he's at Juniata. He was at Bethany. Got let go. I feel bad about it. I told him don't trust that athletic director, which I didn't trust him. But anyway, uh, he got let go and. Greg Curley, great guy, uh, hired him, 
and he's assistant there, and Nick's a great coach and a great guy, and uh, I think he's pretty happy at Huntington They and, and Junietta. They bought a house there. And, and he played there. Liam's a little, yeah, and he played And was there. recruited there by Nathan, and, was and, and Nathan there coached by, there. By uh, Curley, and Greg Curley, and Nathan was the assistant there, and Nathan played there, and Natalie got a, a, recruited when Nick was actually um, assistant coach there, when Natalie got recruited there and ended up wow. going there, and so... Yeah, but to, what, you know, Maureen was at Allegheny College for all those years. Yeah. And one of the nicest things that with her job there, she had tuition exchange for the kids. So those three kids went to Juniata tuition free. Wow. Which is pretty nice. Yeah, that's a good deal. Yeah, that's a great so, deal. I mean, yeah. college education these days is so, so expensive. So expensive. So, but it was good. And Juniata has been good to our kids and I, it's a great school and they've got a great education there. So, yeah. And it's but, like a family tradition now. I mean, yeah. Hillary's the the black sheep. She decided to go play D one ball at Vanderbilt. Yeah, what a yeah. letdown, right? Yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> it was phenomenal. It was great. So I mean, amazing family, amazing stories. But when you were in my office last Tuesday, um, again, I was remarkably blown away because I knew you were a really good coach. Um, and, and sometimes I think you, when people see good coaches, they're just like, well, maybe they're a good motivator, or maybe they're this, or maybe they're they're that, but. Uh, or maybe they're lucky, whatever. They, they have good strategies. But, like, you are a student of the game. And I never appreciated this until you walked in on Tuesday with multiple books, with multiple manuals, with all this stuff that you had accumulated over the years. And your memory is so precise with your, you know, able to recall games and situations and how much you lost by, how much you won by. But if you don't mind, for our guests, just, like, yeah. show some of these books and some of these stories because – these are remarkable things that like you look at these books and you know exactly what this book is going to smell like because it smells like exactly what it looks like. It's that old, that old book smell, but man, we're going to take some photos of this to put, have Jay put on it. But this that's, one's called, that's uh, practical modern basketball by John Wooden. You guys maybe heard of John Wooden. And, yes. And I had wanted to hear Wooden speak a, a number of times. I went out to Rochester's, Wife got sick, he didn't come out. I wrote him a letter. He wrote me a handwritten letter apologizing that he wasn't there and that uh, I could get the Nike notes and they would have all the notes that he would have because I'd ask him if he'd send me his notes. And uh, But then I saw him in, uh, it was I think it was Columbus, Ohio. They had a Nike clinic down there. And uh, so I took the book, and it's Sunday morning. I get close to him. I get close to him, a bunch of coaches around him. He goes, guys, I have to go speak. And uh, I said, Coach Wooden, would you mind signing your book, Practical Modern Basketball. So he says, what's your name? I said, uh, Bill Hager. He goes, thanks, Coach Bill Hager, for your interest in my ideas. Best wishes, John Wooden. I said, yeah. how classy is that? It wasn't just John Wooden. And, yeah. You know. So, but anyway, it was cute. He uh, is speaking, and uh, he says, first of all, we shouldn't be here. He says, you know where we should be, guys. Sunday morning, we should be all in church. So I said, Okay. And then he goes, okay, his first question is, how many of you guys out there spend more time on defense and offense? Of course, I raised my hand right away. And uh, he goes, I want to play against you guys every night. I put my hand down immediately. And I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to learn something here. He goes, you must spend more time on offense and defense because of the basketball. Passing, dribbling, shooting, catching the ball. You know, he said, you, you have to spend more time on offense. 
So that changed my philosophy right there. And uh, what what year was that? That was in 1970. It'd be 1979. Okay. So we'd won a couple championships, but I back then we were defensive minded. That was it. But I became more of an offensive coach, and uh, especially when I went to Franklin. And uh, then I th- told you about. Wish you would have stayed at Maplewood. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Darn it. <laughs> was one of, I had to let it. I had to bring yeah, it back yeah, to it. That's but all right. I always joked. I said I, I never met a shot that I didn't like. I mean, yeah, John uh, or George Lehman. Would, I learned so much from him. He was such a teacher of the game, an offensive teacher of the game. His camp was all offense. And my camps, you know, at Edinburgh and stuff, I'd run I so much on offense. And uh, he said, we can teach how to play defense in a month. He said, offense is going to take you years to become a good offensive player. I just remember so, those Edinburgh camps. I don't want to interrupt, but like yeah. those were my favorite camps to go to. Um, I mean, your Maplewood camp was great. I used to go to the Allegheny camp all the time. I would go to the Cochrane camp. Like, my summers were basketball camps. Yeah. But the Edinburgh one was special because it was an overnight camp. Yeah. You had the best of the best, like, high school uh, players as coaches, which yeah. we kind of all idolized. So I remember, yeah. like, the Donnie Pilers, the 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 Steve Kerbergers, the Casey yeah. Kerbergers, the um, – who was your point guard the one year? Kenny oh, Short uh, Filipino. Yeah. Um, you know what I'm talking about, yes, right? Yes, I do. Kenny Kaiser. Kenny Kaiser, yeah. yeah. He was tough. Um, Johnny Burchard. Yeah, Johnny was uh, good. I remember Brian Shoup coaching those. I mean, yeah. we would get in trouble because we would be making noise after hours, and we'd have to go out <laughs> on the tennis courts and do six inches or know, ball yeah. handling drills. But, like, you would run king drills. It was very Lehman-esque, right? Yes. King drills, ball handling drills, passing drills. You'd do all the competitions. You'd do the X out. You'd do the hot spot. You'd do this. You'd do that. But – um some of the best members of my childhood were were basketball camps, particularly the Edinburgh camp. Yeah, yeah. Well, that was copied off George Lehman. Yeah, and George Lehman said, "I'm not a coach; I'm just a teacher of the game." But I I would work his camps, and because I learned a lot, and uh, he was he was just phenomenal. He's I don't know if you remember if you were there when he hit 100 straight shots at Edinburgh. I was at that one, but I also remember he came to Maplewood and did something. I think he missed his 98th. Yeah. He, he was a machine. Yeah. It was just like it's amazing, just repetition. And and you see these guys like Steph Curry, right? They're very similar. It's just like yeah. all technique, all form, touch. Amazing. But you, you got another book over there. I want yeah. to see this. I'm going to bring that one up too. Yep. This one um, you, was was neat. I had gone on that half year sabbatical and went elk hunting with my dad. Mm-hmm. And so I uh, had to finish my sabbatical with something. So I headed for North Carolina. I went to Krzyzewski's practices. I went to Dean Smith's practices. And I went to uh, Jim Valvano's practices. Oh, wow. So it was, it was a fun time. I went down by myself, and I spent a week there. But I remember going into Dean Smith's practice. I uh, took the book in, his book, called Basketball, Multiple Offense, and Defense by Dean Smith. And I went in, and they interviewed me. They wanted to know who I was, why I was there, what I was, you know, did I represent a college? No, I was a high school coach. And uh, I think you were like trying to, yeah, like trying to steal Jim Harbaugh yeah, yeah. stealing signals or so. Uh, so anyway, uh, the assistant coach interviewed me, and it was actually he had been the head coach of Kansas and was Dean Smith's coach in college, and I can't remember his name, but he was a great guy. And we're walking out, and uh, I said, "Is Coach Smith here? I'd like to meet him if I could." He goes, "No, he's not here. He'll be here shortly." And he walks. So in he walks, and he introduces me to him, and I said, Coach, would you mind signing 
this your book. And so he writes, and you know, just amazed me how classy. Best wishes always to Bill, a fellow coach. It was good being with you in Chapel Hill, Gene Smith. <laughs> I said, you know, he just could have signed his name, but yeah. he said how classy of him. And then uh, that later that day, I went to NC State's or uh, NC State's game. They played a game in the afternoon, and I was going to North Carolina's practice that night. And so they said, be in by six o'clock. So they said, the doors will be locked, you won't be able to get in. So I went in, I sat courtside, and I could see some guys sitting way up above. So I'm sitting there courtside, and all of a sudden I see this manager sprinting across, across the floor. I'm like, where is this guy going? Next thing I know, he's tapped me on the shoulder. He goes, well, first of all, can I see your pass? I said, yeah, here it is right here. And he goes, okay. He says, you have to sit up top. Coach Smith doesn't allow anybody to sit down here. I said, okay. So I went up above, but... Uh, <laughs> I don't remember Jeff Lebo played at uh, played for Carlisle, mm-hmm. and uh, they won three uh, for Dave Lebo. They won four straight state championships. They beat me, Bill wow. the fourth. But uh, Jeff, I think Lebo, we talked about this. This was like uh, Donald Burnett and yes, uh, Michael Burnett beat right? those guys. Yeah, wow. by one point the, to win their four straight state championships. Norm Price was the coach. Norm was a coach. Yes, and um, but. Jeff Lebo was on that North Carolina team, and sitting up above there was Dave Lebo, his dad, was oh, wow. up there. And I met Dave years later when Jeff Lebo was a coach at Auburn through Mark Richards, and we yeah. sat down and talked. And uh, we told him, he told, you know, we talked about his family and his son, and I told him about my kids and everything. He goes, oh, that's amazing. He said, you're a lot like my family was. You know, they all played basketball. And, but uh, <laughs> Dean Smith was special. He... Of all the coaches I'd watched, the great ones, Bobby Knight and Krzyzewski and Dean Smith and Hubie Brown, everybody, Dean was timing them on the floor. He was uh, passing the ball in drills. He was very much involved where uh, the other guys would just kind of, you know, they were great coaches, though, and the yeah. stuff was good. So, so he was just more um, more disciplined, maybe? He was more involved okay. in actual drills and, you know, and then t- him timing them. Right, it wasn't watch. an assistant, like yeah, it wasn't assistant timing, which I thought was was pretty neat. He wow. was good. And then I that next summer I worked his camp, went to Dean Smith's camp, and the Thursday afternoon, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, we'd go play the North Carolina golf course because we could get on for free. And uh, but Thursday he said I'll be, it, oh there was probably a hundred coaches that worked at camp or different places. We'd have every afternoon off. And he said, Thursday, I'll be in my film room, and any of you coaches want to come in, we can talk. So I get there, me and another guy, another coach, and uh, there's only like six of us sitting there. He said, where are all the other coaches? I thought there'd be a ton of coaches here. He goes, that's it. In walks Dean Smith with a cup of coffee, sat down and talked to us for probably an hour. Any questions we had, whatever we wanted to ask him. But I remember him saying to me, what do you coach? I said, I'm just a high school coach. He says, no, you're not just a high school coach. You are a coach. He was so classy. He was really, he was a good guy. That's actually one of my other questions I have for you is like, you have such a storied high school, um, college coaching career. Um, You coached three out of your four kids. Was there any point in your career where you were like, I want to take this to the next level, like coach college? Do you ever have that desire? I had the desire um, when... uh, I was still at Maplewood, and uh, Edinburgh had an assistant's position open, so I went and interviewed. And uh, Jim McDonald was the athletic director, 
And we, he walked out of the interview. He said, this is the best interview I've ever had. But he didn't hire me. He had, he had, he had prearranged for a guy uh, who was going to become the head coach in a year. So I, who, know, who, I forget the guy's name that got the job. Yeah. It wasn't, wasn't me. He got the assistant job. Hager. And then the other guy uh, quit a year later, and then he became the head coach. But the good thing was uh, I met Jim McDonald, and uh, that's how the Edinburgh basketball camp. I went up to him. I said, I want to run a camp here. He says, yep, we'll run it together. So that's how I got involved at Edinburgh. So wow. I ran the camp up there. And I mean, up and are you still doing that uh, Sunday thing? No, I'm uh, out of uh, AAU. I'm out of it altogether. Okay, because I mean, A-Y-D. just like a year or two ago, yeah, Santino, our middle son, was up there, and you yes. and Terry Thompson were yeah. were, were doing that. Yeah. But um, those guys have given it up also. They're okay, out of it. So, but we had fun. We had fun. AYD, it was called Achieve Your Dreams yeah. Basketball. Yeah, it was fun. We had a good time. And Terry's a total fanatic. He is. I mean, just his little. Has, was he ever a head coach? Oh yes, he's uh, has over four hundred victories. Really, he, uh, I just co- remember him with like Larry Sinetta being yeah. a, an assistant, and he was an assistant at Cambridge with I think Becky Leandro for the boys yeah. team. Like he he's I always saw him in those roles. Yeah. Where, where was he a head coach he, at? He, well, he's getting pretty old. He's in his eighties now. Okay, but uh, he was a head coach at Knock. Or uh, he was at East Brady Knock. Butler. East Brady. Is that where uh, Jim Kelly's from? Yeah. He yeah. coached the Kelly twins a little bit. Okay. And um, so he was there, and then he was at uh, Knock High School. Then he went to Butler High School. And uh, then he got the Fairview job. And we played him. Is it Chris Eddy? Chris Eddy played for him, yes. Yeah. But we played against him. I didn't know him at all. This is... And... Um, he I, he blew me away, which is this is typical Terry. Terry is a very close friend of mine right now, but um, he called two timeouts in the first thirty seconds of the game. I'm there. What's going on here? That he if he would see something he didn't like, he immediately called a timeout. He would never save them. He'd call them right away. But, wow. Uh, but we ended up. Would you have like six per half? No, you only had. Maybe four timeouts, five timeouts, the whole game, you know. The whole game? Yeah, the whole game. Yeah. Oh. So Terry would use them. He wouldn't wait. And, uh, but we had some great games that we beat him. And then we had some heartbreaking games where we lost in the playoffs when he was coaching at Fairview. We had some yeah. tough ones. But uh, he's just a great human being, great guy. You know, and I, I uh, coached AYD with him, but, uh, I would have always loved to have coached with him. His grandson and I think Santino are the same age, and they've played okay. basketball and flag football against each other. Maybe really? they've been on a couple teams together. But Cool. So I'm going to kind of ask you a similar question yeah. to what you asked me. If you were not a, a basketball coach, and if you were not, I'm going to take pitching and baseball out of the equation, what would you do with your life? Boy, coaching was always on my mind you know i thought about being a college baseball coach no coaching i know i i don't know what i remember well i was all-time hunter i was heading (laughs) for college and my dad said hey it doesn't work out bill come on you can weld with me he was a welder you're gonna make coaching work (laughs) that's a hard job college is gonna work for me dad don't worry about it i don't know i um 
maybe if maybe I would have gotten into business, you know. Yeah. Uh, I often thought about. Uh, I heard you're a heck of a cook, especially breakfast. Oh. I like the bed and breakfast. <laughs> bed and breakfast was amazing. Yeah, I, I did cook some pretty good stuff, but uh, inside I, uh, joke there. I but. thought administration was. Uh, I could have been pretty good administration, you know, superintendent, principal. Okay. Thought that might have been something in the education field. But uh, otherwise, outside of coaching, I don't know. I don't know what I did. You were born to be a coach. I just, yeah, I just, I th- remember being in college reading books by some of the greats, you know, that I said, uh, yeah, I'm going to coach. So um, what were some of, I'm not talking moments, but just like kind of life lessons. Like what was the, f- what did you so much enjoy about coaching? Like your favorite aspect of it? And what was your least favorite aspect of it? I would say the, uh, the best part of it was uh, the kids that I coached. I think getting as much out of them as I could. I thought that was what was really good. And along with that came getting some wins, you know, winning those championships. 500 plus, right? Yeah, six, 672 wins, but uh, 22 conference championships. I think about this, the coming to Franklin – I remember I had just gotten the job, and I was at a convenience store in in Meadville. And there was an older gentleman at the convenience store. He's checking me out, and I said, hey, I just got the head uh, coaching job at Franklin Basketball. He goes, son, let me tell you something. I said, what's that? He goes, one thing you will never do, you will never beat Meadville. He said, you just get that in your mind. You'll never beat Meadville. I said, well, hey, I said, we'll give it our best shot. So I, 10 years later, I wanted to go back and see him. <laughs> but we won, nine, beat him 19 out of 20 times. Wow. Which, is, which was amazing. There were some great games. But uh, I think getting, getting the kids to perform at a high level was probably one of the most enjoyable things for me. So what was your secret sauce? I mean, you, you were a student of the game. You did this, but like, how'd you motivate? Because you, you can teach kids fundamentals and drills and this and that, but like, what was it that made you so successful? I think one of the biggest things is that um, in coaching, when you have your players perform in practice like they're going to perform in a game at the highest level, we would, we would have uh, drills where we would have our varsity against our JV Sometimes I'd feel a little sorry for the JV, but we would be down 15 points with five minutes. You left create a game. situation. Situation. Yeah, I love that. Where you, okay, and every point you lose by, you're going to run a suicide. Suicide. So did Coach Gilberto play for you? Yeah, <laughs> yeah I know he did. did, he do that? did <laughs> oh he? my God, did we run suicides? Yeah, that was a Bill Hager thing, wasn't yeah. it? <laughs> but uh, and then we did it with our shooting drills. We had a um, shooting drill called Rotate One Threes. And in five minutes, three spots, three basketballs, rotating, you could get between 170, 180 shots in five minutes. And this is hustling. And they would have to make 83s. Every one below 80. I definitely wanted to play for you. Yeah, I was a three-point shooter. Yeah, every one <laughs> below 80, they would... Um, have to run a suicide. It's five minutes? Five minutes. Three spots? Three spots. How many people are shooting? Nine. 
Okay. So, spot. so you shoot your three from the corner, you get your rebound, you pass it there. That guy shoots from that corner, gets a rebound, passes there, and goes those lines, and they rotate. You talk so there's about a ball hustling. going up every two seconds. Every second. Right. Yeah, every two seconds, there's a shot going up. Okay. You talk about hustling, and here's the great thing about it, game speed. So we always use the clock to produce game speed, whether you were coming from behind, pressing, whatever. And I was going to tell you another drill. We pressed a lot. Another drill that I learned, and I'm not sure where I got it from, and I don't know anybody else that does this. It's called continuous pressing, where we would uh, work on our press, man-to-man, full court. We would press, and if you would get a steal, of course, you would uh, get a steal going laid in, and now you're pressing again. But if the offense would break your press, they'd take it out immediately again. Coming back the other direction? Coming back the other direction. So the offense knew if they broke it, they scored, they're going to take it out again. So they'd immediately take it out. So continuous pressing taught you how to press. And I'd say... Sounds like a conditioning drill yeah, at the same tremendous, time. Tremendous effort. I would say that uh, you could uh, simulate a game where you are behind and you have to press to win, you know. Are you calling fouls during this? Like oh, yeah. it was a reach yeah, we'll in. Call was, fouls. We'll okay. call them. And another thing we'd do is uh, I'd put one minute on the clock, and we would be on defense, and you would have to get six possessions in a minute. So if you if they inbounds a ball, then you have to foul them immediately, and they shoot a one on one. If you got a steal and score. would you rebound it and and play it live? Oh yeah, you okay. played it live. And so, then you so if you rebound it, you gotta get down, you gotta at least get a shot up, score, whatever you can score, do. Score, yeah. But if the thing is if if they completed an inbounds pass, then you fouled them immediately because you were stopping the clock. You had to get six possessions in one minute. Wow. So it was it it just made the intensity so good. And another thing we would do Would you finish your practice this way? I mean you wouldn't the, start it this our way. Beginning of our practice was all defense. Okay. Because I felt that your defensive intensity was very good at the beginning of practice when everybody's fresh. Yeah. And so we would maybe, let's say we had a two-hour practice, we'd spend uh, half an hour on defense. Okay. And we would put that pressing, continuous pressing drill in there and uh, then teach them the fundamentals, help them recover, switch and picks, whatever you know you do. And um, so then uh, the last hour, hour and a half of practice would be all offense, basically, and your shooting, foul shooting. Uh, tremendous. We'd shoot a ton of threes every practice. I had somebody tell you me. You didn't tell Coach Gilberto that. You didn't teach him you that didn't thing. You didn't shoot a lot of threes. Oh, no. He was like, get the ball in the post. I'm like, better percentage out here. Yeah, <laughs> and more I, points. Hey, you have to shoot to threes. That's why we won a state championship, the three-point line. But, um, yeah, we, uh, if you can uh, copy the game as much as you can, it's what it's really going to be like. And, and I'll tell you a quick story here. We are coaching the girls. We're playing Northeast, who was uh, Division II, uh, AA. They were District 10 champions. We were the AAA champions that year. But we're playing them, and we're down like eight points with two minutes left in the game. Call timeout. Hey, it's the girls, you know. And they're there, just like practice, just like practice. Let's go, just like practice. They full court press, you know, which we were doing. They turned it up a notch. We end up 
tying the game up with a few seconds left, and their player takes the ball out of bounds and steps in bounds. Turnover. We had two seconds left. Now we have the under under your basket. Under our own bucket to score. We didn't score, but we beat them in overtime. Wow. And I can still hear those girls going, Coach, it was just like practice. Just like practice. So that's So you were a situational a coach. I, you, you would you would create situations and high pressure situations, yes. end of game situations. Because yes. I mean that's where yep. the games are won and lost, yeah. right? In that last yeah, couple of minutes. We did a lot of high pressure situations at the end. End of game situations. Least favorite part of coaching? Um, Dealing with parents? Well, the parents, you know, first of all, we won a lot. That helps. Which, which <laughs> is a tremendous thing. And um, so the parents were really good to me. I had a few parents that weren't happy with me, but um, but um, they basically they were really good. And, I, you know, I told the kids, I'm coaching you. I'm not coaching your parents. And I always say that, you know, parents – they, they see one player on the floor, and that's what they're, you know, and I sympathize with them, you know. But uh, I think I, I told you this. I, I would tell the players, you know, I'm going to start the best five guys. And I said, and you know what? Most of the times that's not the five guys I like, but I'm going to start the best five guys. And they'd always go, well, who's the players you like, Coach? I said, I'm, I'm not going to tell you that. But, yeah. You know, you, you did. You wanted to start your players that, and play. But I, oh, another thing that I thought was good, I played a lot of kids. Yeah, you always we, had a deep played, lineup, Yeah, eight, right? It wasn't like you had six guys, seven yeah. guys. You almost had like two squads yeah, that were, eight, were... I think one time in the Western Finals, we lost in double overtime. I think we played like 12 kids, Yeah, which is which is amazing. But but they were great, great kids. Kids bought into what we were doing, and they were... That's probably the thing I enjoyed the most, was coaching great kids. Uh, losing, I hated to lose, you know, heartbreaking. I still... Think of some of those games we lost, you know, and I blame myself most of the time, but it's tough. So, yeah. Except one parent, well, not it was a parent. I have somebody I didn't even never met before. They come up to me, we lost to Blackhawk double overtime, whatever, and he said, "You you cost us this game." I said, "Who are you?" He goes, ah, "It's none of your business who I am." I said, "You know what? I didn't play one minute of that game." I said, "I didn't miss any shots. I didn't. Guys, <laughs> never played one minute, and you're telling me I cost that game, you know?" But, yeah. But that's you know. But that's I, another thing I said. What they know, don't get to is like the amount of time that you put into this, in. right? Because people see games, they don't see practices, they don't see summertime, they don't see open gyms, yeah. they don't see uh, wit, you know, spring workouts, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Like, you have this amazing record, but my goodness, if you had the it's amount fine. of hours. With camps that you did in the yeah. summer, with open gems, with wow. film review. Yeah. Yeah, we did. did I mean, my 10,000 surgeries actually looks pretty lame yeah. compared I, to what you've yeah, done. No. But uh, this, this is a great story. And I think I told it to you, but I'm not sure. We, I take a JV team up to uh, Rochester, New York. Uh, Greece Athena's coach, Jimmy Johnson, who his uh, ball boy was autistic, and he put him in at the end of his last game. They're winning. Mm. He puts this kid in. The kid hits five threes in the last three, four minutes. Did of the I game. see this on, like, the he, Internet or something like that? He won an ESPY award. That kid won he, an ESPY award. I, I've seen this. Yeah, Jimmy Johnson was the coach. He Kid's a to, decent shooter, too, yeah, oh right? Oh, my God, he shot the lights <laughs> out. It was amazing. I said, Jimmy, you should have been playing him all year. But uh, that the kid won an ESPY, 
And so Jimmy was, would bring his teams to Edinburgh's camps. And so I took a JV team up to his camp in Rochester. But we're playing McQuaid. I don't know if you ever heard of McQuaid. McQuaid's a big private school in Rochester. So we're playing McQuaid. I got a JV team. We're, we're hanging in there against teams. So I told these guys, I said before the game, I said, if you get it under 20, I'll buy you a pizza tonight. I said, you get it under 15, I'll buy you two pizzas. You get it under 10, I'll buy you three pizzas. You get it under five, I'll buy you four pizzas. And if you win the game, I'll buy you five pizzas tonight. They're there. Okay, coach, we're ready. So we're playing. McQuaid's good. So we're down 20 at halftime. You know, I'm thinking, okay, maybe I won't have to buy any pizzas. <laughs> but, uh, like so where's the hot and ready's here? Yeah, so if we're going to fourth quarter, we're still down 20. And then they, they put their second team in. Our kids are playing their hind ends off press and everything. Boom. Next thing you know, they cut it to 14. And they're all, shoot, now it's two pieces, you know. And so it's getting down to a minute left. They Did put they their, put their starters back put in? put their third team back in. They put their third team in. They had three teams there, 15 guys. Oh. Put their third team in. We are pressing full court. They get a steal. They, they know it. you're a JV team they, too, right? Yeah, they know we're a JV okay. team. They cut it to nine. And then they hit a three with a few seconds left. The kid panics, takes it out right away, throws it in. We steal it, laid in at the buzzer, cut it to four. Goes so is that four pizzas? So that's four pizzas I own. <laughs> so the kids are jumping up and down. You thought they won a state championship. They're high-fiving each other. They, it's You should see them. And the know? other team's like, we don't even know what's going they on go, right now. And they had a big European kid keeping the clock. And he comes over to me, coach, coach, me no understand. He said, you lose that game. You did not win that game, coach. Why are your players celebrating? <laughs> I said, uh, motivation by pizza. You'd have to <laughs> understand that. But that was crazy. They were so fired up. It was funny. Awesome but, stuff. Yeah, that was good stuff. So you mentioned, um, before we go into our, our, our shoe discussion, you mentioned your, your hunt with your dad. Yes. And um, you want to share that story? Yeah. Uh, 1988, back when Yellowstone was burning, you know, I tell people this all the time. Most of them go, I wasn't even born then, so... But uh, I took a half-year sabbatical, and Dad and I went out west. We spent 30 days out west. And uh, we uh, picked up my brother. We had gone all through Yellowstone and everything. This is Jake or Gary? This is uh, Brother Gary. Okay. Because Gary, was, he wasn't a teacher or anything. So he flies out. We pick him up, and uh, we, uh, we're going to pick up my cousin in a couple of days. So we go uh, to a... Uh, Oh, Lockshaw Resort out in the middle of nowhere. And we're going to uh, go trout fishing for a couple of days to check things uh, out. I think I told you this. So yeah. we check in the <laughs> Lockshaw Resort, and there is, it's out in the middle of nowhere. And there's a bulletin board, and the picture a guy in the middle of the bulletin board is Jack Nicholas. I said to the lady checking us in, I said, Did Jack Nicholas stay here? She goes, Yes, he did. I said, He was the nicest guy you'd ever meet. What a gentleman. And, uh, then she goes, and then this idiot stayed here. And I said, who was that? She goes, Bobby Knight. And I said, Bobby Knight. I said, I knew I'd gone to Bobby Knight's clinics, and he was tremendous, you know. But I know when Bobby got away from people and he's on vacation, he's not a celebrity. He doesn't want all this stuff. So she said to him, Coach Knight, would you take pictures with my son? Say, love you, you know. And he goes, lady, I'm not taking pictures of anybody. So... I said, oh, boy, that's Coach Knight. So anyway, Coach Knight goes up elk hunting. Big snowstorm hits. He comes down, wants to use her phone. She goes, I said to him, no, you're not using my phone. <laughs> <laughs> he 
she said, then he tried to be nice. She said, I let him use my phone. He took pictures <laughs> with my kids. I said, oh, it's coach night. But anyway, we go on an elk hunt with my dad, pick up my cousin, four of us. First day, dad and I hunt together, leave at dark, get back after dark. Dad says, second day. I said, I'm hunting half a day. I'm tired. So How old is he at this point? He's 65. He's 65. Okay. Just a youngster. So then uh, he, um, me and my brother leave at daylight. And when we get back at dark, we hunt all day. We get back. My cousin's there. We said, Dad, come back for lunch. He goes, no. I said, he didn't. He's not back. No, never came back. So we go out and fire guns. No answer. We're just worried all night. Just worried. What the heck happened to him? We're 15 miles back in by horseback, and, the, and there's grizzlies out there and stuff. So we're there. Oh, boy. So anyway, uh, the next morning, we said, let's go to different places and if anybody finds them hears from them or anything fire gun this is pre-cell phone way it's before pre-cell pre-cell phone. Phone. no walkie talkies nothing we didn't have anything so anyway i hear a shot from camp about 10 o'clock in the morning so i go hustling back to camp and there he is i said dad what happened he said i got lost i said no kidding but i go you all right he goes yeah he said i killed a monster bull and he spent the night out with it oh my goodness. Yeah. I think he, he, did he that. not want to um, let the animals get to it? Was that the... He was lost. Oh. That's what he said. It got dark. He had it, got it out. He goes, it was dark. Wow. And we're going we're gonna to get this high quality for you, Jay, so you can get that. Holy cow. So he shot that bull. But, you know, wash water froze outside the tent. Freezing cold. So... But we uh, watched the uh, Band of Brothers. Yeah. About Bastone. Yeah. Dad was in the 101st Airborne. And uh, 38 straight nights in a foxhole in Bastone. He was? Low freezing temperature. He was yeah, this was nothing. Yeah. So I told him after the watching the Band of Brothers, I said, Dad, no more warm tent for you. <laughs> we're just, just going to dig you a foxhole outside the tent. But, uh, yeah, that was... That was my favorite elk hunt. Wow. I showed you my second favorite elk hunt. That was with the crossbow. And that was that was fun. Wow. Yeah, that was exciting. There you go, folks. Again, we're gonna get you these really good quality photos. Yeah, there's there's something. In the videos here. But man, those are massive animals. Yeah. I was out in Wyoming antelope hunting with uh, my brother in law Chris and his brother Mark Plasky and father Larry and um you know, great. I just love hunting. I mean, there's just so much, I think, good life lessons that you can learn. It's great to be um, in the woods. Yeah, it's yeah. great to be in the woods. But, like, I was reflecting when I was out there this past um, weekend with my son, Luca, the, the life lef- lessons of patience, um, the life lessons of just, like, respecting nature and, like, God's creations and um, just, like, appreciating what you have, right? Like, it's not about the kill, right? Because... That happens rarely. Rarely, yeah. Right? Like, everybody thinks, like, when I come back from hunting, like, every night, the boys are like, did you get something? I'm like, no, I didn't. Like, you got to understand hunting. Um, And they're like, did you see anything? Yeah. Why didn't you shoot it? Like, well, it wasn't the right time. It wasn't the right animal. It wasn't the right this. It wasn't the right that. And you've done it. I've done it. Like, it's okay to pass stuff up. And to me, it's about the moment. It has to be right. It has to feel right. And um, some of the best moments I've had aren't when I killed something. There was a, a really nice buck last uh, archery season that I remember seeing coming out of the woods. It was There was a, a fawn that came out first, 
and then the mother, and then the buck came out. It was a little far, but I passed it up. It wasn't the right time. Yeah. And it was the sun was coming down. Yeah. It was beautiful. I just saw this family. I'm like, I can't destroy this right now. I know. That's what worries me about shooting a doe. Right? Yeah. And that's what I had a cow I could have shot this year, but I, I would have shot it. But I think the daughter was with it. And yeah, just, it was just something, right? So it didn't bother me that I didn't get it. It didn't bother me. So, so let's switch gears. Um, as you guys all know, this uh, this is fitting to you in a couple different ways, Bill. Um, you're a baseball player. My three boys are baseball players. Uh, they play basketball too, and they play football, but baseball is kind of their, their big sport. Yeah. Um, we call this the Sawbone seventh inning shoe stretch. So okay. it's kind of a tribute to my um, bad habit of collecting shoes, particularly okay. Jordans. Yep. But um, I always ask my guests to, to wear something meaningful. And you brought two pairs uh, tonight. And yep. so what, do, what are you wearing here? And then we'll, we'll talk about your other pair. These are a, spare, a pair of um, Skechers golf shoes. Go golf. I love to golf. And uh, when I retired, uh, it's been 16, 17, it'll be 17 years this spring. I uh, played 150 rounds of golf every year. Just, I don't know if I've played 150 rounds of golf my entire life. Yeah, but. I, I played every year. I just loved it. Wow. Yeah, so um, it's still, it's something that at my age, I can still play. Yeah, it's a great it's sport still, for that. Yeah, that's what I think is just tremendous about it's it. It's the thing about hunting, too, is I told my boys, like, yes. there's two things that you can pretty much do almost your whole life, golf and hunting, Yep. right? And yes. Maybe some tennis and some racket sports like that, but yeah. tough to get it back out on the basketball court and do it because you know what you want to do, but your body just can't do it anymore. No, couldn't, couldn't do basketball. So, anymore. were any of your home ones with this pair of shoes on? No, no. I just I they were Skechers golf shoes though. Okay, but uh, did you get a new pair in every fact, season? I just got these. I had some pro shop money, so I got myself seven brand new dozen of golf balls and a pair of Skechers golf shoes to get ready for next year. Yeah. And uh, I just, I enjoy golfing. And then the other thing are my hunting shoes. Pull those up. These are comfortable. Wore them in uh, Colorado, 11 days. Elk hunting out there. And uh, just enjoy walking the Rocky Mountains. I think it's tremendous. Beautiful country, isn't it? It's just beautiful. I think it's great. We hunted in an area we'd never hunted before. We could buy a license over the counter, shoot a cow or a bull. So it was not Where quite were what you we at? used to. We were south of Rangeley. This would be in western Colorado. Okay. North of Grand Junction, south of Rangeley. I, I was just in Colorado Springs a couple of weeks ago for okay. a conference, and yeah. I love hiking. So yeah. I was up, and I just went on a hike by myself. And I just love the mountains. There's something about the mountains to me that is so peaceful. Have you ever heard of the town of Meeker, Meeker, Colorado? I've heard of it, yeah. It's northwest Colorado, but okay. uh, Flat Tops Wilderness, White River National Forest. We, uh, I've hunted in there for years, and it's just beautiful. I mean, it is just, and uh, we actually contacted our outfitter, and uh, he says he's, he calls our camp the Hager Brothers Camp. And uh, the, a couple of his guys were there, and they go, yeah, we're just up the Hager Brothers Camp. You know, and I said, that's our camp. And so, uh, but it's a beautiful country. I just, I just love it. So Plus, it's time that memories you can form at- previously with your dad and now your brothers. And yeah. um, that's something I really look forward to with my boys. Yes. Um, and just like those memories of 
getting away and getting out into wilderness. There's nothing yeah. like it, yeah. right? You it gotta, recharges your battery. And you got to get out west and elk hunt. I think you'd love that for it's sure. Just, it's just something. So, well, as always, I'm wearing a pair of Jordans. Um, I, I feel a little embarrassed because I I came from surgery today home. We had dinner with the Hagers, uh, uh, Coach Hager's wife Maureen, who was like my second mother growing up. Um, she always cooked mean, mad, awesome lasagna growing up. Those chocolate chip cookies, I remember, in that oven. Um, the other thing I remember about your wife, sorry, Mrs. Hager, she was very strict about bath water. And I remember, like, I would be, like, at your house, like, Friday night after a football game. Your brother was coaching. We're watching. And I'd spend the night. And she'd be, like, knocking on the door. She's like, Ryan? She's like, I think you have enough bath water in there. I'm like, it is like an inch deep. And I'm like, I better go a little bit longer. She's like, yeah, no, turn it off. And she was very strict about the water. I don't know if you had a, a, a well that was not too deep. Yeah, I think it was the well. But um, one more story about the water at the at the Hager household, your, your uh, place over there by Maplewood. So Nathan and I, you know, we had a lot of sleepovers, and uh, we, we were always playing jokes on – the younger kids, because Nathan was the oldest, I was the youngest. So I mm-hmm. I always had the jokes playing on me growing up. But now was my chance to kind of like wreak havoc. Mm-hmm. And Hillary, unfortunately, sweet Hillary was the, I'm sorry, Hillary, to this day, I'm really sorry about this. But <laughs> you may not remember this, but um, I remember specifically that we had just heard that um, you could put somebody's hand in, in a bucket of like warm water and they would pee the bed. So Nathan and I are like, oh, yeah, we got to try that. We're like, who should we try it on? We're like, Nick, eh, he's a little young. He'll wake up. And then we're like, let's do it to Hillary. So, and I remember Nathan's bedroom was like off to the side. And then I think Hillary got old enough where she needed like more privacy because her and Nick were in that main room together. Yeah. Yeah. Then you moved Hillary over there. And maybe Nathan was just like a little upset about that. So he was like, screw her. So we, <laughs> we took this five-gallon bucket of water and we put her hand in this water. And we kept coming back and checking like an hour later. Like, she pee yet? She pee yet? Never peed. We finally got so frustrated. <laughs> we took the bucket and we just dumped it on her. Oh, she wow. woke up screaming and, oh, my God, did you come in and let Nathan and I have it? You reamed us oh, for like 10, 15 minutes. I was like, I don't know if I'm going to be invited to go to the Hagers again. But um, so I wore these shoes as a little bit of a tribute to you for your Franklin era, right? You, you were you. you were the Knights and you were red and, um, black. Red and black, right? Yeah. So I, I was like, um, I've worn the the Jordan breads, but this is a little different version of it. It's Jordan 1 Lowe's with, with a little reverse combo here. And then I wore, I'm always very intentional with what I wear with my guests. So, hey, Coach Hager was drafted by the Pirates, so I had to wear a Pirates hat. I love it. I had to wear a Pirates jersey. Yeah, I but, love it. I love it. But the best part that you haven't even seen yet, which is going to come out for the, the Sawbones Challenge, is one of my best memories of you at Maplewood. And I'm going to see if you remember this, right? So the sound's going to go away here for a second, and I apologize because it is super small. Um, I think this was like a, a, a child-sized large T-shirt, but this is classic Coach Bill Hager Back in the day, I'm thinking this is 87, 88. You may remember this when you see it. <laughs> you know what's coming? No. 
Oh, defense the wood. <laughs> so it's tight. Oh, you look good in that. I love it. I love it. So right there. <laughs> so my memory of this isn't just the T-shirt, but do you remember uh, making these? Yes, I do. So, so we turned, something. or you turned, the Maplewood Gym into a T-shirt factory. It, I think it was like a weekend. And I remember all the families of people would go there. It was so fun. And you had like a silk screener come in. And I remember you had all these like these lines, almost like laundry lines just hanging in the gym. And they printed them and we would take them hot off the press yeah. and we'd hang them. And then you sold these. And I mean, yeah. this was, I mean, there's something, a reference here about. Wow, um, that is amazing. This cat is hungry, District yeah. 10, FCVC. Yes. Oh but it's goodness. to build defense, you need the wood. And that just goes back to your defensive mentality earlier yeah, on in your yeah. in your career. So wow. I'd love to see one of your offensive uh, t-shirts if if you did that. But, I didn't uh, do that. But down at- so we're going to go into our sawbones challenge. Um, you okay. you saw a little bit of this, right? Uh, just the shooting the threes. Or yeah, we're not going to go outside. It's no, too dark. No, we're going to do it here in the basement, though. I'll try. We'll have fun. Got the bad arms. But, oh, so but here hey, he I comes. Give a quick shout out to some people. Oh, right? let's do it. Yep. These were the great assistants I had. Great guys. I know that first name. Don Fee, you know, is Jordan Fee's now the head coach. I was going to say, let's give Jordan a plug. He's the head coach at Gannon. Yes. I got to get Jordan on this. Yes. Podcast. Get Don. Don would be great. Uh, A guy that I just lost, my favorite assistant down at Franklin, Hunter Anderson was his name. He coached for me for 12 years. He just died of cancer. He was a phenomenal guy. He just, he was the missing link. Uh, Greg Miller was the guy that got me to Franklin. He was my assistant all those years there. He was just a tremendous asset to my coaching. He did everything I didn't like to do in coaching. You know, he was so good. And uh, Greg's a great guy. Bob Engelbert, you remember Bob Engelbert? Yeah. Yeah, he was my first assistant at Maplewood. Wow. And uh, His wife, Linda. Linda, yes. And And Chris. Chris passed away. He did. Sad. Chris was his son, and Chris was a year older than Nathan and I. I went to Meadville. I played volleyball against Chris growing up. Chris was a great kid. Yeah. And Bob was just a super guy. Then I had a guy by the name of John Davis at uh, Franklin for five years. He became the head coach of Oil City. He was a super guy. Barry Faust was a good guy. His daughter played for me. He was a really good guy, coached girls. And then Jack Jones. I know that guy. Yeah. And uh, those guys were just tremendous people. And if I missed anybody, I'm sorry. And uh, the great kids that I coached were just. just too many names to. Yeah, too too many. But what what a ride I had uh, coaching. You know, it was just just tremendous and a blast and and a good time. And thank you for doing this. Oh, my gosh. I think this is just awesome. This has been so much fun. And like I said from the get-go, like I've been really looking forward to this because not only are you like one of my heroes and we're like a, a fatherly figure to me growing up until you stole my best friend from me, um, <laughs> your son, but yeah. no, but yeah. seriously, like y- y- you are a, a local legend in, in high school sports coaching, uh, the, the ability to consistently, it wasn't like you had one or two really good teams. You consistently 22 yeah, league championships. Yeah. That's something that doesn't happen by accident. Yeah. Right. You know that yeah. I know that. And um, it's just excellence. That's, that, that's, I love celebrating excellence, whether it's Thanks. at the professional level, the college level, the high school level. You would have been an amazing college coach. You probably would have been a really good professional coach, right? But, like, I love the fact that you kind of stayed where you stayed and did what you did because it just goes to 
goes to show that you weren't doing this for anything other than your love of the game and your yeah. passion of the game. Yeah, and I, I want to tell you too, the kids were tremendous. You know, uh, Natalie just got her PhD and had a job. She's finally off the payroll. She was just a wonderful daughter growing up. I had so much fun coaching her, coaching Nick and Nathan. You know, got my 450, I think, victory with Nathan or 400, something like that, and Nick the 500th, and just it was fun. You know, and Hillary was just tremendous. So, but it was. Special. You and Maureen should be extremely, and I know you are, proud of the family yes, that yeah. you raised and now the grandkids that you get to have fun yeah, playing yeah. with. Yeah, they're, so. they're a blast. We love them. Bill, I just want to thank you for the time tonight. This was a real pleasure having uh, you and Maureen come up for dinner, have my parents here, meeting our family. Um you know, Karen was not feeling too good yesterday. And this morning she goes, you know, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do dinner. And she was like, we may have to do it down here. I was like, well, I hope you feel better because I really, really want you to be able to meet the Hagers. I was like, they played a very influential role in, you know, my younger years up until, you know, ninth grade. Uh, even beyond that, though, because I, I would follow you. I would follow yeah. all your kids um, yeah. and, and just your successes. But um, I want to thank you for, for, again, traveling up here. Um, thank you for all the memories over the years. Um, thank you for giving our guests things to think about and talk about for years to come. I mean, sitting down with you last week was so special, like seeing the books, seeing the manuals from all those camps that you went to. Um, but the one question I always ask my guests and don't take any offenses. You're the oldest guest I've had on here, but I always ask them, I say, where do you see yourself in five, 10 years from now? Uh, well, I hope I'm still kicking and, uh, I have a feeling you will, but you have some good genes. Yeah. I, um, I know we will never leave Franklin and, uh, my wife loves it there and uh, I'm so happy for, you know, that she does. She has everything within walking distance for that she likes. And, uh, I love Franklin too. I think it's a great little town. And as long as I can keep golfing, I'm going to be doing fine and, and keep hunting. That's my goals. And I hope that I'm doing those things five years from now. And if I am, I'll just be a happy retired person. That's it. But yeah. Brian, this is really special. Thank you very much. Of course. I got to uh, say some things that I, I think about and never, you know, do tell anybody. But I think this is something is just great what you do. And, and your occupation, what you do is tremendous to help help people like me. Dr. Frendek doing my knees, you mm -hmm. know, it's just tremendous and uh, this is really something special thank you well uh, uh, hey it was my pleasure i mean to be able to speak and spend this much time with uh, a guy that i grew up admiring and then getting to know so much more about you personally like where you grew up just your whole journey i mean um it's amazing to me and it's just like it's it's motivating to me too because i'm a process guy i'm a very driven guy um but the the amount of details that i focus on every day you kind of just reiterate to me just how important that preparation is. And I've always said that too, is like, I can't come into surgery and perform well if I didn't practice well. So for me, it was during my training, but I, I prepare, I'm a meticulous planner. So yeah. Sundays before my surgeries on Mondays, I'm sitting down, I'm going through all my x-rays and I'm planning mm -hmm. every case out because everybody thinks a hips, a hips, a knees, a knee. it's not, it's just like playing Blackhawk or playing, Kennedy Christian or playing the, the, this team, it's different. You have to have a, a different game, game plan, plan for every yeah. team. 
And for every hip or knee I do, they're different. It's not monotonous to me. Every wow. every single one poses a little different challenge or, or spin on it. So thank you for just a little bit more insight as to like, the whole point of this was just like people to get to know me, but even more so people to get to know people like yourself and just like the, the local greatness that we have here in Erie, Northwest Pennsylvania, it is tremendous. And I've been able to host lawyers, business owners, bar owners, physicians. You're my second, no, third coach. I've had John Melody, I've, uh, who will be airing uh, the week before you, Joe Spano, the baseball coach, uh, now athletic director at Mercyhurst. Wow. Uh, yourself, um, I told you earlier, a good buddy of yours, Pete Flynn, has yeah. agreed to be on. Good. Um, I've got some other players that I want to want to get on here that have, are kind of local legends, one being Keith Neese. Uh, Justin Johnson was on here. So yeah. um, thank you again. This is yes, awesome. Thank you. Thanks, Ryan. All Appreciate right. So yep. make sure you guys uh, stick around, stay tuned, subscribe, share this with your friends, um, leave comments, leave questions, leave suggestions. I, I, I love being able to like interact with our fans and um, make sure you also stick around to watch our teaser for next week's guests. It's been a good one. It's going to be fun. But uh, thank you again for watching and have a great evening. Take care. Tell me all about it, Doc.